0: listeners and thanks for tuning in to another Bytes podcast. Today we'll be discussing a, a very hot topic of zero trust which I'm guessing uh, you know a lot of you have uh, have, have come across and today um, we are actually joined um, by Neil Clawson. So Neil would you like to give a, a quick hello and a little bit of an introduction?
1: Yep. Hey folks um, I am a regional CISO here at Mimecast, been here for about four years but have been a practitioner in the field in the enterprise space for over 25, 30 years of doing network uh, IT infrastructure, security operations programs, and um, so a practitioner, just like most of the folks on the call.
0: Awesome, thank you so much, Neil, and thanks for joining us today. And um, in, in terms of myself, Janaya Miatra, I'm the head of solutions development at Bytes. Uh, I tend to get involved with, uh, you know, very various different areas of the business, but definitely have an affinity for for cybersecurity, mainly within the pre-sales area. But definitely, you know, tinker around with a, with a number of technologies. Um, but yeah, in terms of um, in terms of today, so zero trust definitely uh, a, a big topic, and I suppose instead of just jumping in and uh, you know talking about how great zero trust is and and, and all of that good stuff, I'm actually going to flip this round uh, on its head a little bit and actually talk about some of the problems that we typically come across um, with zero trust. So Neil, I I know that you've probably had you know a lot of exposure in this area. What what common problems do you normally see with with well I I don't want to say problems as in zero trust not working but almost you know what are the challenges that people come across?
1: Yeah, sure. And actually, I could I could probably say uh, from my background, I came from a uh, company that had a global wide area network with operations all over the world. So for, so for me, zero trust started with. That network access control aspect, and working with companies like Cisco, and, and really complicated stuff like 802.1x, which just is how do I manage my switch ports? And and so that problem has evolved, right? It's a it's that system of systems um, perspective, but it's it's really um, uh, understanding who's connecting to your network, what what posture do they have, are they tall enough to ride the ride, you know, analogy from a roller coaster perspective, and um, and and how do I make that complex system of systems all work because there's lots of layers, right? And you're trying to get all those layers to work effectively. Um, I like the, it's a, it's a, it's a joke, it's an analogy, but like security is like an onion where it has lots of layers. And at some point it's going to make you cry. Um, right. Um, but, which is true. Right. And because there's so many different, it's multifaceted attacks that require that multifaceted defense. And we've, as practitioners, we've tried to, to layer all those things together and to make uh, those, uh, those negative outcomes either not happen or reduce the likelihood of them happening. So, um, but a, I think the biggest problem is that security is a team sport, right? We've got all that coordination between those quote back of the house teams, IT security, uh, governance, risk compliance, and the front of the house end users that are trying to leverage all that technology to access their data, collaborate, focus on their business objectives. So I think that's the biggest friction point is, uh, is we as practitioners want everything to be airtight and uh, the opposite of security might not be insecurity, it's convenience. And how do we balance that in a way that, um, right? And I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard that from, from your customers and your your other folks on this call as well. It's it's about the balance. Um, and, and I think that what we're trying to do is to make sure that we ha- understand what the, that security is a business problem and that ransomware and, and attacks and breaches are really um, pre- preventing the ability for that business to achieve its business outcomes. And so understanding that um, that each layer in that that onion, a defense that metaphor, has, has, has a failure rate, and I think that that 's the biggest uh, admission that there's a, maybe a five percent ten percent chance rate of that uh, it 's a complex versus a complicated system. A, a car is complicated you can you can unwind a car and, and see all the different pieces, all the different um, tech stacks that we've built and the users and the data and how that all that interact is, is kind of unknowable to a certain degree. It's like that Heisenberg principle. So um, I think that what we're trying to do with Zero Trust is to put a, a strong methodology around that that helps lead us towards the best possible outcomes.
0: Oh, no, I, would, I, would, I would almost certainly agree, especially around the balance in part, right? And that's, uh, security has always been you know, a balancing act. It's how do we make our users productive but also secure? And we don't want to hinder one or the other. And I can absolutely see the friction points coming from that. Mm. Um, especially when talking to a lot of clients, that's definitely what they've expressed. And I suppose the 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 almost problem and issue that I saw in the early days of uh, of zero trust when it first came about is it did generate quite a considerable amount of confusion um you know a lot of clients that I spoke to they didn't fully understand it and some actually thought that it was a you know a, a product so I'm guessing they confused a lot of that with network access control and you know zero trust network access mm-hmm. um I even had other customers that figured that it was you know more marketing and even towards the beginning I', I even put my hand up and say that you know I thought it was a bit of a, a rehash of stuff that we should already be doing you know the principle of least privilege has been around since well I mean I'm pretty sure since active directory has been out um yeah. so I know that there was a that there was definitely a lot of confusion it definitely caused you know a lot of myths um I suppose uh, you know within with within zero trust so I suppose in terms of doing a little bit of myth busting, what have you come across, um, Neil, in, in 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 terms of you know myths that clients believe that we've had to 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 walk them through to understand zero trust in a in a better regard.
1: Yeah, sure. And you touched on a a buzzword which I called architecture, right? And I think Cisco was was phenomenal at that, from developing the the buzzword of architecture, where it's hey, you just buy one one product or a set of products from one vendor, and you're now blessed with the golden zero trust, right? So I feel like it's 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 an architectural design, right? And it's a philosophy of driving down that risk to acceptable levels. Um, and another myth would be like you either are or are not zero trust. It's a binary thing, and Really not right. It's a trade-off. It's about making those decisions and it's a balance. I guess it's it's an aspiration. And I, as to the listeners, I would say don't think that uh, it's either all or nothing. It's a it's a journey, just like everything in security. And it's peeling those those layers back and and gaining that experience. The, the maturity model aspect. You don't go from a one to a five. You you work your way through it. Whereas vendors and and you know I think a lot of the, the literature is like, oh no, we have to get everything that locked down to zero trust before we can call it a win and i think that's a that's a, a setting yourself up for failure so and and i would also say it's it's not a fad right there's this has real world value in in many many real world scenarios and it's not just for huge organizations with huge staff right i think like you're saying it's a it's a, it's a principle it's a it's a fundamental um architectural point that um we can and should as practitioners um not uh not hold it up as 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 unattainable it, it is it's just um what's the process. And again, listening to podcasts like this and and reading and, and figuring out how all your different um, solutions work together to to drive down that risk and to achieve that aspiration is how I would say we, the best way to dispel the myths is, is put that reality lens on your um, your rose-colored Zero Trust goggles.
0: No, agreed. Agreed. And, and And one part that really stood out for me, what you just said there was, it's not just a fad, because it's actually yeah. quite funny, because when I first saw Zero Trust, I thought it was a bit of a... well it was a bit of a fad myself um but actually once i started to understand the mythology understand what it aligns to i really started to see you know the value in it that zero trust really does provide a structured mythology and objective you know to making businesses more secure and you know zero trust it does deliver significant improvements to security and it does have the ability to, to to reduce complexity and costs all the while you know reducing um those risks. Um, I suppose in terms of risk reduction, because I know that risk reduction is always a, you know, it's it's, it's, it's always a massive topic. How have you seen with your clients, um, you know, zero trust reducing risk?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, for me, the foundation is having what's called a threat-informed defense, right? And so what you're trying to do, uh, I love methodologies, is what are the things that you want to have happen? What are the things that you don't want to have happen? And boiling it down as simply as that is obviously I want to have happen that I am being situationally aware. I'm having uh, feedback loops that are taking the threats that are either directly impacting me that I'm seeing in my pipeline and in my funnel coming through my most common attack vectors um, or that are happening to my peers or just all the industry. And then leveraging that to understand uh, those, uh, will those threats crystallize and cataly- uh, be catalyzed in my environment? So what are my most critical assets? What are the most critical threats to those assets? And what are the most critical users uh, of those assets of that data that I will have the, that have the most, uh most likely chance of having that negative outcome right so um i think so from a fair analysis the factor analysis of information risk zero trust can help you understand what's my contact frequency what's my loss event frequency what's the control set that's going to um, help prevent those negative outcomes I, again i feel i feel like we're, it's zero trust is a great tool in your risk quantification tool tools chest right and so what we're trying to do is really get that big picture A very complex system, and then articulate: Yes, I have the. I've I've taken those threats. I've applied the controls, and I am managing. And I'm I'm listening to the feedback loops, and I'm managing that risk to the outcomes that's uh, expected by my business. So one one aspect of that is cyber insurance, right? We've talked a lot about that um, recently uh, in in, in hallway conversations, right? Which is these. No matter what solution or methodology you're following, ultimately, if that Puts the business at risk, and your your it impacts your brand. Then, um, or you're you're acquiring to go get your uh, to leverage your your insurance firms. Then that's a that's a bad day, right? So if I can quantify risk and, and use zero trust to be able to say this is where I need funding, this is where I've uh, I need products or solutions or time or effort or leadership uh, buy in and championship to get these uh, like yes thou shalt all have multi factor authentication thou shalt uh, manage you know manage dlp effectively that 's where I feel like um, helps us get um, get that risk quantified, get the budgetary and leadership uh, buy in and and also tell a good story to the insurance firms that. Um, yes, I, I've, I've implemented the things, therefore, don't raise my premiums, lower my premiums, um, you know, uh, decrease my deductible, that kind of thing. That goes a heck of a long way, I feel like, um, to making us as security practitioners be seen as uh, 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 participating in the business outcome and not just in the, that back of the house perspective. Um, and then well, one last point of, I think what Zero Trust also helps us do is dispel biases, right? It's that, um, that, they, that oh, this control is sufficient. So giving the folks that are building these solutions that psychological safety to discuss those difficult choices, areas where this control might not be as effective as possible. Um, maybe we need to turn the volume up to 11, so to speak, or we have areas of unmitigated risk. Doing that in a meaningful way with Zero Trust as that lens, again, to me, helps uh, get those different stakeholders on board, get the, uh, flush those to the surface, um, and uh, test those biases, and test the um, the assumptions in a way that uh, is meaningful and again, drives change. To me, Zero Trust is all about driving change and it's about getting those stakeholders to see that we have unmitigated risk, we have different uh, ways to reduce the likelihood or impact of that risk and uh, getting both the tech tech teams and the business teams on board for um, implementing Zero Trust fundamental principles and architectures and solutions to get us to that place.
0: There is so much that you said there that I I mean, I can't even express how much I, 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 I agree with. And I think, you know, the one thing that stands out is, you know, the change side. Um, zero trust is around, you know, driving that change. And I suppose the one thing that I've seen is, you know, zero trust, it does have that impact to a business, it does have that impact to change, but it also helps surface those changes to more board level and exec members um, of the business rather than just, you know, the siloed security team who are normally kept, uh, kept hidden away until uh, until something is, uh, has broke. So I definitely think that that change pile is key. And, you know, with any kind of change, you always want to formulate that and, and and fold that into your existing security strategy. And I think one of the main things that I've come around with zero trust is, you know, I've had some customers that feel like they need to bin off their, their, their existing security strategy and, and replace it with zero trust. And it's almost, you know, that that's that, that's not how it should be approached, in my opinion. Um, you know, zero trust should form part of your existing security strategy. It should be, you know, an element of of of, of that framework. I don't know if you uh, agree with that, Neil. I could be uh, completely wrong, but that's definitely uh, my viewpoint on um, on on where zero trust, I suppose, folds into existing security strategies within the business.
1: Uh, I mean, absolutely right. Don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater ever. Um, and 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 follow that trajectory, right? And um, I'm a big fan of this. It's called the cyber defense matrix. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Sunil Yu, who presented this at RSA many years ago. But the concept is he took um, the NIST CSF framework: identify, protect, detect, respond, recover, and then did that in a matrix where you're looking at your. Um, your users, your data, your networks, your applications, and a couple other perspectives. And the concept is just take all the existing products that you have and map them and say, yes, these products help me identify users, right? active directory, da, da, da. these products help me protect those users or endpoints or networks. So by mapping that out, and then again, applying that zero trust lens to all the things that you're doing um, helps you try to say, oh, look, I, I have a huge gap here. I've got no protections against my databases in, in any of those phases, or I'm heavily weighted just towards identifying stuff, but I have no capability or capacity um, to, to block if those threats are realized. So. I think that that to me is is a way of um is taking all these methodologies and making it sensible, making it um throw putting up on a board and, and letting people pick it apart, right? Saying, oh no, no, oh hey, the IT teams can now collaborate, saying, yeah, hey, we've got a, we've got some solutions that can help us protect users a little bit better. Um, or you know, and, or again, finding gaps, getting the budget for it and and driving change. Um and that also then opens up opportunities to say, well, um, these tools are probably best of breed. We've matured enough as, 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 as firms to be able to, uh, to flush out the solutions that weren't working for us and pick the ones that, that do. But those solutions need to work together in that ecosystem. And am I cross pollinating the threat intelligence, for example, that I'm taking from that top of that attack surface from email, um, and cross pollinating that down to my to my endpoint solutions, like you know EDR. Am I funneling it over to my seam to find that needle in a stack of needles, or am I making my XDR, making my automations and orchestration? So um, that to me is is huge, where um, you're, you're not throwing out your automation strategy. Uh, and maybe you're saying, okay, I'm going to accept a little bit of risk where, yeah, I, I can't do 100% zero trust, but I'm going to squeeze that down to maybe a minute of, of gap. Okay, great. That's by stringing together product A, B, and C, layering some threat intelligence, you know, sprinkling some threat intelligence secret sauce on the top of it, um, and some, some intelligent and thoughtful automations and orchestrations backed by processes that are tested with tabletop exercises, using things like breach attack simulation tools. To really quantify, that's I think my biggest focus is quantify. Don't don't be qualitative. And yeah. if I can say the, yeah these these threats, uh, I am I can I am ninety seven percent capable of detect of of blocking these set of MITRE TTPs, which from my threat informed defense tells me that these are the ones that are most likely to occur in my business. All right. That's that. My, so minor attack as a strategy, threat informed defense, breach attack simulation, and just kind of testing the heck out of all of that.
0: Yeah. No, I would, I would, I would, I would definitely agree with that. Um, especially when it comes to the automation and 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 integrations between the technologies. You know, you want to make this, um, you want the, you want to make this as easy as you can for yourself, and you want to make sure that that aligns to you know to your strategy. So having that 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 rock solid and robust plan to go about that is 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 definitely key. Now I know we're about three quarters of the way. Um, Uh, through this session, there is definitely one thing that I do, uh, you know, do want to talk about today. And that is, you know, the approaches to to, to zero trust that have a meaningful outcome, but also, I guess, you know, tips and tricks for, you know, for our listeners when it comes to creating that plan for zero trust. And, you know, Neil, I'm going to definitely lean on you heavily for this one. Is there any, any, Tips that you can give our listeners if, if 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 they're starting or or even midway through their zero trust journey,
1: yeah, I mean this is uh, this one's tough, but I would guess uh, I would say that um, stakeholder management, right? this is not about technology. This is about understanding the stakeholders, understanding their needs and their risk appetite. Um, from a qual- qualitative perspective, I like going to my my chief marketing officer, my chief uh, health and safety officer, whatever, and say, on a scale of one to five, what's your five? Right? It, and uh, so, from a financial perspective, it's okay. Is it losing a million dollars, or ten million, or a hundred million? Right? And being able to do that ahead of time, um, and is it marketing officer? Is it losing, you know, a thousand customers, or ten thousand customers, or and by building those relationships and being able to speak in their language, you can now when you're gonna to go to them with um, with decisions or, or changes to policy or, or end user behavior or system behavior, um, you can say, listen, if we don't do this, our competitor just had, this was a five to them. Um, and so that's, I think the biggest thing is, is, get, is learning those soft skills uh, is to me, how we can um, get our objectives and our desires to have uh, our system zero trust uh, most likely impacted and, and implemented. Um, that's, that's, Uh, And then, again, on top of that, it's all these things we've talked about. Threat-informed defense, fusing, um, using um, risk quantification services, being able to, um, again, I guess, quantify and test and validate and use those feedback loops continuously and relentlessly, um, and driving that down. um, Again, don't just focus Don't just say because you can't get that twenty percent that we won't do the eighty percent, you can gradually squeeze that twenty to nineteen to eighteen to you know, and down. That's that's how I would approach this personally.
0: No, hundred percent, and definitely agree with you know all, all of those points. the 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 one I suppose statement I always go with is this is not a technology decision. It's you know it's technology, people's and processes, and as you say, managing those stakeholders, having the correct stakeholders involved is you know is 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 crucial um, to making you know zero trust successful within mm. an organization. Now yeah. I know we're coming up to time, so Neil, thank you so much for joining us today. You're you, you've been very insightful. Very very interesting points. It's even given me, you know, a, a lot to think about, um, which is great. And 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 for our listeners, thank you so much um, for tuning in. I always like to leave uh, leave you with a little something. So. Um, I know that zero trust is a big topic, and you'll be glad to hear that Bytes do offer um, a zero trust overview session. So this is a one to one interactive session that goes through what zero trust is, along with what the core principles and and and, and pillars are. But it also takes a focus on your environment your situation and help support you through on your zero trust journey and it's a great way um you know if you're starting out on zero trust because i can understand that it's you know sometimes a little bit overwhelming or if you're already midway through your zero trust journey and you want to get some some validation to to bounce some ideas across we can absolutely use that 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 session uh you know uh, like that the main thing here is is we want to do what we can to support our customers um on on zero trust we've got the expertise and resources to support this so please if there is anything that we can do do not be afraid to to reach out but again thank you so much for tuning in and listening uh neil thank you so much for your time today